All right. Amen. Amen. We're going to go ahead and get started right here, guys. We're just going to jump right into this. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 5, and we're going to be going through verse 11. How are you today, buds? Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. And let's go ahead and jump just right here into the Word, starting at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. And indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Somebody say amen. Amen. The title of today's message is Mind matters, mind matters. We're going to be talking about mind matters because the mind matters. See what I did with that? We're talking about mind matters because the mind matters. Um, I don't know where you were on Friday night, this last Friday night, but I'll tell you where I was at. I was at Bulldog Stadium is where I was on Friday night. And our Borger Bulldogs, our boys, man, they battled adversity. They battled some injuries. And uh, they were facing a foe from, an, from a place called Dalhart. The Dalhart Golden Wolves came to town. And they battled through that. And by the end of the game, they, they were victorious by a score of 41 to 38. And so super proud of our kids. I was up in the announcer's booth. Yeah, that's right. Give the Bulldogs a round of applause. Um, I was up in the booth getting to announce on the PA. And the guy next to me working as the spotter there, uh, looking for all of the tackles and the people's, uh, our very own Michael Williams. He's there up there as a spotter. And so we're in the booth together and Michael, during one of the timeouts, looks at me and he's like, hey, are you excited for Sunday? And, uh, you know, I thought about it for a second. I responded, said, I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not quite as seasoned as less, obviously. You know, there's, there's some big names in that crowd. I'm going to be speaking in front of Paul and... You know, Randy's probably going to be there and Craig's going to be there. Like some big shoes to step into there. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what if if this goes wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? You know, what if I kind of go off a little bit too deep here? I grew up Pentecostal. And so in the assemblies of God, I might lose it a little bit. I might go a little bit too far there in the spirit. And so 
you know, there's always some questions there. Um, I might make people a little bit nervous. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like there's an ongoing battle in your own mind where you're battling these thoughts of faith and also thoughts of fear all at the same time? Battles of faith and battles of fear. I often battle those aspects of my mind because there are things that I want to control. There's aspects of my life that I feel like I'm in control of completely and I want control of those things. And I know I should give control of those things to God. That's a battle. Then it causes me to question from there, how much faith do I really have? Where's my faith level at? You see, you're going to have some moments in your life when you're full of spiritual confidence. When you're full of spiritual confidence that God is with you, that he's walking beside you and he's supplied you with everything that you need, every confidence that you need in this life. And then in the next moment, you're going to have a crippling insecurity and it'll hold you back and it can paralyze you. These are the battles that we're going to face in our lives. You see, guys, the mind is a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool. I work in education. So every single day, we're dealing with the mind. And this tool can be used to motivate us to overcome obstacles, can't it? Over history, there are countless stories of people who have used the power of the mind to accomplish unbelievable and great feats. Things that were previously thought to be unimaginable. Uh, Like climbing a 30,000 foot mountain. You know, a few hundred years ago, that'd probably be thought of as unbelievable. But now regularly, hundreds of people climb to the top of Mount Everest. Or running a mile in less than four minutes. A hundred years ago, Again, no one could do that. Now it's regular. If you want to contend for a gold medal, you have to run it in less than four minutes. So the mind can be very powerful to accomplish great feats. But at the same time, the mind can also be a tool of destruction, both internally and externally. You see, an evil mind has been used throughout history to hurt and destroy others, to hurt people, to destroy communities and cultures. And the mind sometimes can even be used to destroy ourselves when we're convinced of thoughts that we're not good enough, that I can't, that I'm not there, that I'm not accepted. So through his writings, Paul has compared the dichotomy of life and death. He's looked at the differences between these two. He's compared the dichotomy of slavery and freedom and what that means in our lives. But this time, the battlefield that he's comparing is between these two opposing forces that are in our minds. So that's what we're going to be examining today, guys. And we're going to take a look and try to discover what is Paul telling us and we're going to go through this with three major points, okay? And so we're going, to, we're going to go ahead and get started in this. Just to let you know, I need all the encouragement you can get. If you can just throw me an amen or hallelujah, I'm all about it, guys. Again, amen. All right? 
first major point that we want to take a look at here today. The mindset of the flesh is in opposition to the Holy Spirit. Read that again. The mindset of the flesh is in opposition to the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul in that verse described the mindset of the flesh as hostile to God. Not defiant, not ignorant. Very specific term, hostile to God. What does that mean to be hostile? Think about that. Well, if something's hostile, it's aggressive. It's aggressive to others or another thing. It's opposed to something or even in a nice way, it's unfriendly. And the, and the funny thing about this is when Paul wrote this, he's speaking to the Christians. He was talking to those believers there, not the unbelievers. So how is that? Well, it's simple. Because in this, Paul is talking about a thing called sin. We all know that. And we've all heard of that, sin. What is this thing, sin? Well, sin is rebellion against God. In another book that he wrote, Galatians, another letter, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he talks about the flesh and what that is and what that looks like. And he says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. We should have a natural understanding of this. It should be obvious to us what these works are. And he lists out several of them sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, something I struggle with, selfish ambitions, dissensions, Factions, splitting apart, creating factions, even in our own churches. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I really want to thank the worship team for setting the... the stage for today, and then Steve with all his great information about the giving, because now I get to jump up here and tell us all how horrible sinners we are. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you. Set, set me up for failure. The way we are by nature, guys, as mere humans, if we're looking at just the nature of ourselves as human beings, apart from any supernatural help from the Holy Spirit, we are in rebellion to God. And the root of that lies in an independent spirit in us that cares little for God and prefers the pleasures to a, we prefer pleasures of life to a relationship with God. That's the nature that we are in. It's a love affair, guys, that is basically suicide. It's a suicidal love affair with independence, and self-determination leading the way. You see, a mindset of the flesh, it doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It can't. 
You cannot do that. And in order for the law to be fulfilled, we have to be in walk with the Spirit. As Paul says in verse four, we have to be in stride with the Spirit. When the Spirit's calling us in one way, we gotta be able to walk that way. When the Spirit wants us to move here, we gotta be able to move there. That's the only way that the law can be fulfilled. Alone by ourselves, we can't please God. We don't have the capability of doing that. There's nothing that I could do. There's nothing that we could do that could ever be good enough, that could ever be enough to please the creator of everything. We don't have that. We're incapable of doing that, guys. We're in bondage, basically. And we're in bondage to insubordination. And we're in bondage to hostility. But here's the great thing about this. Paul is saying these things because there's a transition here. And he transitions the argument to show us that there is a different way. There's a different way of living. There's a different way of thinking, of processing. And he says, now if Christ is in you, the body is dead. It's dead because of sin. But the spirit, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. See, everything in Paul's argument now shifts and it moves to victory over this condition that we have victory in the spirit of God. Amen? And we're gonna move from hostility and we're gonna move from insubordination and we're gonna move from death into freedom of life and obedience. How are we gonna do this? By changing our mindsets to the things of the spirit. That's how we're gonna do it. The mindset of the spirit brings us into relationship with the Holy Spirit. The mindset of the spirit brings it into a closeness with the spirit. The spirit's already in us. Now we walk with it. That's how God designed it. This was the design for God sending the spirit to us, for us to have relationship with him for us to walk and live in a spiritual mindset. Guys, that is freedom. That is life. This is the reason the Spirit was described as the comforter and why the Holy Spirit was sent for us. Let's go to major point number two here. The second point that Paul's trying to make to us, and this is good for us when we struggle. The Holy Spirit is still with you when you are struggling with sin. This Holy Spirit is still with you when you're struggling with sin. In my youth, I used to be afraid and used to think that if you weren't doing right, if you sinned, then the Spirit would leave and you're on your own. The scripture tells us a little bit differently. In Galatians chapter five, verse 17, the Bible says, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. And the spirit desires what's against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to do. Listen to that again. So that you don't do what you want. I have a daughter. And her name is Brooklyn. She was the one that was standing right over here. She's 15 years old. 
And when Brooklyn was two years old, she was a little bit of a difficult child. I think Garen probably remembers those days. She was a little bit difficult of a child. And so when we were two, we were living in this, this little house on Lancelot, and we went to Ikea because, you know, when you're young and getting started out, Ikea is the best place to go. You can get some really cool stuff with weird names like a fludger and a who knows what they're all, you know, like a, a lanolai or whatever they're called, all these Swedish names, but you can get them for a good price. And so we went to Ikea and we found this really cool lamp. It was a floor lamp. It was probably about this tall and it had this like cream crinkly paper all around it. So it really made a cool effect when it would light up the living room and stuff like that. And so we, we bought this floor lamp and we thought it'd look really cool in the living room. And so here we are with this little floor lamp. She's already given me an eye. I'm sorry. I, she didn't know I was going to be talking about her today. But Brooklyn loved this lamp and she would love to kind of go stand in front of this lamp. And her favorite thing to do is she would crinkle the paper on the lamp. So she would just sit there and look at it. And, you know, she's two years old. She'd just be like, all day long, she'd just crinkle that little lamp. And so she loved to touch it. She would stand right by there and do that. And Abby would tell her over and over and over again, Brooklyn, stop crinkling the lamp. Leave the lamp alone. Because she didn't want, she had her crinkles the way she liked it. So she didn't want additional crinkles, you know? She liked the crinkles the way they were. So she did not want any more crinkles on the lamp. So Brooklyn, in her two-year-old uh, evil genius, she found a new plan of attack. So near the lamp were some black curtains. It was kind of by the front mirror, by the front wall. So we had some black curtains covering up the mirror or the windows. So Brooklyn, her little genius, she would sneak behind the curtains. And she'd stick out one little hand. And she'd start crinkling the lamp from back there. Here was the problem. The little genius didn't realize the curtains were see-through. They were sheer. We're sitting there on the couch watching a dateline. And we're just watching this little thing with these sheer curtains that we can see you crinkling the lamp. Oh my gosh. The things we do as parents. So we're sitting on the couch. We're watching her crinkle this lamp. Abby finally has it. And she goes over there and she pulls her out from behind the curtain. She's smiling because she remembers. And she pulls her out from behind the curtain. She said, I told you, no, ma'am, do not touch that lamp anymore. I've already told you. And then it happened. This little no-neck troll with a head full of hair, two years old, she loses it. And she goes off on a dead sprint, yelling a battle cry like she's William Wallace fighting the English armies. And she loses it. And she attacks the lamp like she's dad got Micah Parsons attacking a quarterback. And she knocks it down to the ground in a fit of rage. Immediately, Abby jumps up. She snatches her up in one arm and she's carrying off to her room and she sets her in her crib for a well-needed timeout. I'm just sitting there shocked because I'm like, I didn't know that we were raising this little thing. You know, I, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm kind of that dad that kind of laughs a little bit when they're a little honoring. And so I'm trying not to. 
But here was the worst part. She didn't even cry. Not a drop. Not even one point. She accepted her punishment with like the sternest of faces. She sat in her crib just like with this demeanor that was like, it was worth it. (laughs) You see, at two years old, we didn't have to teach her how to be rebellious by not listening to her mother. We didn't have to teach her the art of deception by hiding behind the see-through curtains. And we didn't have to teach her how to lash out into anger and destroy the beautiful lamp from Ikea. She already understood this. She already knew these actions. How? Because she was already inclined. She was already inclined to do these things. And when Paul says, so you don't do what you want to do, He's talking about our natural inclination to desire the things of the flesh. That's our human. That's what Brooklyn had. The natural inclination to please the self. Here's the problem, guys, is as we get older, our relationship with this natural inclination changes because then our relationship with sin changes. The stakes are so much higher as we rebel from God and as we give in to our desires of the flesh. It's not the same when you're a two-year-old troll. It's a little bit different when you're older. That's the problem that we're facing. But again, the argument that Paul is trying to tell us is there's a different way. And Paul says the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. You see, guys, when we struggle with sin, when we struggle with that natural inclination to want to do the things of the flesh, to want to do the things that are fun, to want to do the things that are easy, when we struggle with that, we are struggling with our own selfishness. And through that process, the Holy Spirit is still there, walking with us, guiding with us, calling us back. He doesn't abandon us and he doesn't leave us. John chapter 14, 16 says, and I pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Not today, not just yesterday, the comforter abides with us forever, forever and ever even during our low times. If you've been in this life for a few few years now, you know there's times we're up here and there's times we're down here. And sometimes it's cyclical, isn't it? We kind of flow through this process. There's times we're up and there's times we're down. And there's gonna be times when we feel distant from God. And in those times, Guys, that's when we need to seek the mindset of the Spirit even more because he's right there waiting for us. He's right there ready to walk with us through that time. Our final point here that we're going to go through. When you pursue pursue a life guided by the Holy Spirit, 
you're going to see the world through a different lens. You'll see it through a different lens. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Have you ever met that Christian person that is just constantly positive all the time? Have you ever met that person? I, when, my dad, when I was uh, still at home, he'd wake up in the morning and he would just be in such a good mood all the time. And it just, it was so rough. You know, I'd be like, how's your day, dad? Or how's things going? Oh, mijo, I'm blessed. I'm just blessed, mijo. It's just God's blessed me. It's such a good job. I'm just so blessed by it. And I always thought, like, is he like, is this a joke? Like, is he just joking? But I really think like it was this positive talk to constantly remind himself of these things. And you're probably thinking about a couple of people today that you've already talked to. You know that person that's always smiling, that greets you with a handshake, and they'll always praise God for all the blessings that they have in their life. They'll drive you nuts, won't they? Let's be honest. Come on. They'll drive you a little bit nuts because it's like they've never woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Their kids love doing chores. They love helping out around the house. They love running to the store and doing things for you. And they have a spouse that loves it when you relax and just watch football all Sunday afternoon. Like it's, it's they're living a different kind of life. There's something different about those people, isn't there? What is it? What is it that's different about those kind of people? What makes them approach life like this? It's because they truly do see the world differently. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit, these things, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, when we're living in the Spirit, these are the fruits that are going to come from us. If we're a tree, these are the fruits that we're going to bear. We're going to bear love and joy. We're going to be more patient with our kids. We're going to feel that peace when work is difficult, when life tries to knock you down. We're going to have kindness with those that don't maybe deserve it. We're going to show goodness to others. We're going to be faithful to the ones around us, to God. We'll approach our kids with gentleness and we'll have self-control when dealing in difficult situations. These are the fruits that are going to pour out of us, guys. Just like an endless fountain. Suddenly, you're going to find it a little bit easier to love your neighbor. Even the one who throws trash in your yard. You'll find it a little bit easier to be patient with your kids. You'll find it a little bit easier to express gentleness with your spouse. You know, we were talking about this earlier this week and I was talking to two ladies in my office and just great Christian women. And and something in the conversation came up and it really kind of hit me there. Have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes 
It's not that we need a new heart. Sometimes it's just that we need a new habit. Amen? Think about that. Sometimes it's not that you need a new heart, but you need a new habit, habits. You need a new normal to go through. The mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Go back to verse one, Romans chapter eight, that Les has already preached on. What did Paul start the entire chapter with? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Any condemnation? What kind of condemnation? Everyone say no. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I think we need to applaud that one right there. Amen. There is no condemnation. It is gone. It's been taken away because the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. It's completely gone. We have a freedom now that lives outside of what the world will expect. You have a freedom now in your life that is different from what the world sees. And an unbelieving world will always find that unbelievable because they don't understand why. Why do they have freedom? Why do they have peace? Why are they constantly smiling and praising God? It's easy, guys. The same power that conquered the grave lives in us. Amen? The same power that conquered the grave lives in you, lives in me, lives in us. The word said, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Can you believe that? How amazing is that? Think about that. What more could we ever long for? What more could we ever ask for? The death-beating, defeating spirit of the Lord lives inside of us and is there with us on a daily basis. Whether we're up, whether we're down, whether we're stressed, whether we're joyful, whether we're happy, the Holy Spirit is in us. Set your mind to that power. Set your mind to the things of the Spirit. Let it work its way in you guys. Let it change your life in a way that you could never imagine. Let it make you a beacon of light that a dark world will not understand. And that's how we, that's how we proclaim the goodness of God. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back up here. As they make their way up here and they go ahead and slowly start playing, I just want you guys to reflect. Reflect on Paul's message to us today. 
are two opposing forces that are battling inside of us right now. There are two opposing forces, both seeking control of our minds. Do we want to have a mindset of the flesh? Or do you want to have a mindset of the spirit? For many of us, we know that we're believers. We know we've accepted Christ. Maybe we haven't been walking in step with the Spirit like we know we could, or we know that we should. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been struggling with the idea that I got this. I'm in control of this. But you're lacking that peace in your life. Guys, today's the day to change that mindset. To make the decision, I'm going to focus the things of the Spirit. I'm going to increase my time with the Spirit. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that Christian that lives in the flesh. I don't want to be that person that looks just like everybody else in the world. What's going to make me different? How are those around me going to know that the Lord that I follow is greater than anything else in this world. Use me, Lord. Make me a tool for your word. Make me a light in a dark world. The Holy Spirit is here in this place, guys. And as we sing this last song, I just want you to take some time here and spend some time reintroducing yourself to the Holy Spirit. That can be at your seat during this last song. If you want to take a moment and sit down and pray, you want to turn around and kneel at your chair. If you want to come up here, I know it's concrete and I know it's hard, but kneel right here the floor. We're going to make this a place of altar. If you want to step out into the aisle with maybe your, your children or your wife and kids, spend some time. Or if you just want to spend it with yourself in the song, just you and the Holy Spirit. Let's use this time to start changing our mindsets. <laughs>